to the Practical Prophetic, where prophetic ministry is made practical. I'm Beth Wingate, I'm your host, and welcome to the podcast. On our podcast today, we are going to talk about prophetic discernment. I believe discernment is one of the spiritual gifts that is often overlooked, but discernment is a muscle that we must build and exercise in order to effectively operate in discernment. And then I would even say a step further is to operate in what I call prophetic discernment. That is discernment that is inspired by the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit is guiding you through the process of discernment. Let me root us in our foundational scripture today. It's in Ephesians six twelve. We all know it. It says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the dark world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. So let me sidebar here and say that oftentimes discernment, you're not dealing with a personality but rather a principality. And Jensen Franklin always says that principalities work through personalities. And so we need to understand that we're not fighting with people. Oftentimes, if you see disturbing behavior exhibited in, in, in other individuals, especially in a spiritual kind of way, that you're oftentimes dealing with a spiritual root to that problem or a principality working through that person. Now, of course, that person has allowed that. They've partnered with that. And sometimes that's conscious and sometimes that's to a degree unconscious. But nevertheless, that is something that we as believers have to deal with, especially as we grow in our faith. Let me give us some more scriptures to to drive this home and then we'll jump into discernment. In Psalms 119.66, it says, Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. And I want to drive this point home. First of all, discernment can only be found in one place, and that is in the Word of God. Discernment is a spiritual gift, and it must be rooted in God's Word. And discern means to judge and weigh something out. And so we can do some of that with logic, and that will get us to a certain place. But the Bible tells us there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it is death. You cannot just logically or practically approach discernment. You must have that rooted in the Word of God. And we let the Word of God guide us through the process of discernment. That is foundational. That is extremely important, I believe, in using discernment as a tool that you have to root, be rooted in the Word of God. We also know in Hebrews 4.13, it says, No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him who we must give an account. We know that the Lord sees everything. The Holy Spirit can reveal the the hidden things to us, the things we cannot see. And so we have to we have to be rooted in the word and we have to let the Holy Spirit guide us in discernment. That's also just foundational. We we can't get away from that. We can't just use knowledge. In Psalms 119:125 it says, "I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies." You know, we have to be rooted in the Word of God with discernment. In 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. And one of those gifts we see in verse 10, 
is the discerning of spirits. So we know this is a gift from God. We know that it has to be rooted in the Word of God, and we know that the Holy Spirit has to guide us in the process of discernment. Now I want to shift gears and let's talk about some practical ways. First of all, you can identify issues where you need discernment, and then we're going to talk about ways to then address those situations once they've been identified. So I'm just going to give us some practical tips, some things that I have learned through experience, through uh, being a witness to other events, and things I wish I would have known years ago. You know, there's things you wish you could have known earlier, and the, the, the benefit of experience and maturity is that Hindsight is much more clear, and at least you can advise and maybe speak some wisdom into people who are starting earlier in their journey. So I want to share, too, some stories that I've witnessed, and and maybe that will illustrate the points that I'm making. And I also want to say this. We're going to root this study in Galatians chapter 5, which we know is the chapter that talks about the fruits of the Spirit and then contrasts that with the works of the flesh. There's no other easy way to have discernment than to tend to use this method right here. In fact, you can even break it down a step easier by drawing a line on your paper with two columns. One side will say still kill and destroy and the other side will say life and life more abundantly. But we could also put in those two columns either does this fall in the category of the fruits of the spirit or does this person's behavior fall in the category of the works of the flesh? And it's that simple. Sometimes we we complicate things and we make it difficult, but we need to think more simply. In fact, oftentimes truth is very simple because it's found in the Word of God, and it's very easy to to break these things down when we think of it in those terms. I, I, I like to use the analogy of I put it all in the pot, I boil it down, and what I'm left with usually is the core of what I'm dealing with, and that helps me to better grasp and get a hold of what I'm seeing in front of me. So let's talk about the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to go ahead and give us the list of the fruits of the Spirit that I know that you're familiar with. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That should make it pretty easy to discern what someone's motive is. You know, the Bible says that the Word of God is a quick, powerful, double-edged sword dividing all the way down to the thoughts and intents of the heart. Well, what are the thoughts and intents of the heart? I believe those are speaking about our motives. That's why we do what we do, why we behave the way we behave, whether we recognize it or not. That's your motives. And your motives usually can be very easily summed up by applying Either the fruits of the Spirit or the works of the flesh. Let me read off what the works of the flesh are, which is a little further down the chapter in Galatians 5. They are sensuality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness and revelry. And so we're going to dive into these and I'm going to give you some examples and hopefully this will equip you with some tools to walk in discernment because oftentimes the enemy is sneaky. Always. He's very sneaky. And you have to be looking for the right things. You can't be caught up in the glitter of someone's personality 
or the popularity that someone has or uh, what other people, maybe the stamp of approval that other people have given a person. You know, they have terms for reasons. One of those terms is the cult of personality. That's something that's always fascinated me, how that some people can get by on their personality. And I'm going to sidebar right here and, and, and talk about something that we may do some whole future podcast on. But uh, the spirit of Jezebel is a very real spiritual paradigm that is in operation typically inside churches where the enemy wants to destroy churches and destroy relationships. And what the Bible describes as the pattern of Jezebel fits perfectly with what psychology calls narcissism. And so one of the initial stages of narcissism is called love bombing. And that's where the person who is a narcissist, when they uh, seek a relationship with another person, even a friendship, it's not necessarily a uh, romantic relationship, but they will love bomb. They will put their best face forward. They will uh, go out of their way to win your approval. But now once they get that approval, then things begin to turn and uh, they always typically have ulterior motives. Well, we can oftentimes see this right inside the church or inside of a business or inside of a family. So I believe having the tool of discernment can be so vital to understand and recognize what I call red flags very early, maybe before other people do. In fact, I've really learned to trust the Holy Spirit. You know, some people call it their gut, but but the Holy Spirit that prompts me, hey, pay attention. I'm going to red flag that. I'm going to keep my eye on that. I've had to, to learn to trust what the Lord is showing me because uh, every time, maybe some everyone else around me is thinking this person is wonderful. So I've learned to trust the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and then I'm guided by the Word of God, specifically Galatians 5, to then weigh out and discern and judge, is this behavior a work of the flesh, or is this behavior exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit? And so let's dig in, and I'm going to give you some clues. So number one, Matthew 12, 34, and this is the words of Jesus. These would be the red words in your Bible. It says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So here's clue number one. Oftentimes, my mom says it this way, that a spirit will always identify itself. You just have to be paying attention. And oftentimes, it's like a breadcrumb or a clue that that they will leave you. Uh, they will say something, and if you're tuned in to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will draw your attention to whatever it is that they are saying. Let me give you an example of that. So I was friends with this lady one time, and she was uh, seemed very solid, very spiritual. We began to spend some time together, a, a group of us, and everything seemed fine. But then I would notice here and there that she had a relative who was in the ministry, and she would make an offhand comment and Every time she would mention this person, she would attach to it a, a hint of criticism. And it was like a tiny little zing, like a ding, like a little tiny hint of criticism. And the first time I think I heard her do that, I kind of dismissed it. Uh, well, she's a family member, you know, and it became more frequent. And then I know I got to noticing 
that this was becoming an issue, that she had a critical spirit. And so it took a little time, but I started to see that that was what was in her heart, and it was leaking out in her speech, and she was being very critical of this person. And I I will say this too. There's a scripture and there could be debate about this, about touch not the anointed. But I will say this. I am very cautious to say anything true or not negative about a minister out of respect for the position and the office that they hold. I'm not saying I would deny reality, but I would be very careful how I frame my speech. And I think that that carries a weight of responsibility with it. And we need to proceed with uh, mucho caution. And so I'll just park that right there. But people often will give themselves away in their speech. That's the first way that you can look uh, for red flags. Or if you, you know, if your your suspicions ha- your suspicions have been raised, maybe by the Holy Spirit, maybe by these little things they've said, then begin to watch, begin to pay attention, begin to hone in and listen. Let the Holy Spirit guide you through that process. Another example is there's a lady we went to church with one time and she was nice enough and, you know, a lot of fun to be around and and we became friends with her. But we started noticing that my, my mom and I, that she would begin to say things, you know, just at first slightly off color, a little inappropriate. And the first time, you know, it was a little bit funny. It wasn't too bad. It was something, you know, f- fairly light and PG. And uh, But then it began to be she would ramp it up. And it got to be where uh, my mom called her out on it. And, of course, that didn't go over well. So I, she didn't want to be her friend after that. But I will say this. There's a lesson in this, too. And we'll get down the road to that. I, I do want to make a point about how to deal with these things. But right now we're talking about identifying these issues. And so let's move through the list in Galatians 5. I just want to quickly move through this list. And this is ways you can identify through discernment, hey, this is this is of the flesh. This is not of the Lord. This is not okay. Now, I also want to say, yes, we oftentimes work with principalities working through people. I said, you know, principalities often work through personalities. Now, sometimes it's just people's flesh. Let me make a quick distinction about, based out of the book of Leviticus, about how God views things. So there's these, basically these four categories. There is that which is evil. There is that which is unclean. There is that which is clean, and then there is that which is holy. So in the middle, we have this clean and unclean category, a little bit of a gray area. But you know when something is unclean, when it's a work of the flesh. And then we definitely know when it's evil, and then we definitely know when it's holy. And then there's just some things that are neutral. They're just clean. You know, well, I used to say Disney songs. I don't know if we can continue to say that in this era. But there are some things that are just, they're clean, they're not bad, and and there's some debate over what's clean and what's unclean, and I believe that's one of those areas where you are responsible for how you determine those things that aren't specifically listed. But now where it concerns holy and unholy or evil, I think that distinction is very easy to make, and we know that based out of Galatians 5. So let me move through the list of Galatians 5. We'll start with the first one, sensuality. I'll give another example. We went to church with someone who they they seemed solid, but there was a uh, there was a sensualness, you know, there to them that was a little bit over the top at times. In fact, this person was a male, and he was very handsome, 
And uh, he worked out, and he was a little too proud of himself and liked the attention that he was getting. And it killed his witness. It was it was too much. Uh, to, he, he liked the attention from the ladies. And, you know, of course, I've seen that on the other side where it's a female. And so that's a work of the flesh. And that can be a red flag because it's a red flag to say, hey, there's something deeper going on here. You know, what is you, you begin to ask yourself, what is this person's motive for even you know, being at church or being involved, you know, and that can be difficult to determine at first. And sometimes it takes, you know, till you're in a proximity to someone that you can pick up on those things. Another one would be impurity. Now, like I said about the lady who she would work in, you know, casually, usually under the guise of humor, some inappropriate comments. At first, they were very mild, you know, nothing too, too bad. And, and then it, of course, would begin to ramp up because people often will test you know, we're familiar with the scripture that talks about testing the spirits. Well, the spirits will oftentimes test you. And so be tuned into that. This next word I do want to key in on, and it's debauchery. And so, you know, debauchery, we think of like a wild party or something like that. But it really, it can mean riots. It can mean immoral, shameless, perversion. But one of the definitions that I looked up for debauchery means wantonness. Now, what is wantonness? That's probably a word we don't use in our modern times. But it, its definition is very interesting. And this is the part I want to key in on. It says a disposition to willfully inflict pain on others. And I believe this can also be emotional pain. And I have met people who get some kind of payoff intellectually or emotionally by putting other people down and intentionally pushing them down and uh, degrading them and hurting them or delivering bad news to them. That's evil. You need to avoid people like that. That's sort of next level, if you ask me. That's all the way down the spectrum to evil, and you definitely want to avoid those kind of people. Some of the next ones on the list are very obvious. That's idolatry, witchcraft, and hatred. Those are pretty easy to identify. I don't know that I need to give specific you know, stories about that. We could probably dissect those a little deeper, but I think those are pretty easy to discern. Let's talk about the next one in the list. Now, this one I have watched be very destructive in relationships and churches, uh, in business, and that is discord. You don't want to be involved with people that sow discord. And if they're sowing discord over here with this group and you're friends with them, it's only a matter of time before they're going to sow discord your way because we reap what we sow. It's a principle. It's a law. As sure as the sun comes up in the morning and sets at night, you reap what you sow. In fact, the Bible says, God is not mocked whatsoever a man soweth, that will he also reap. So that's very important to watch that if you see someone sowing discord, disunity, especially in the church, red flag that person. You cannot afford to be friends with those people. And the Bible is pretty tough about what they say to do about these things. And we'll get to that in a minute. So jealousy, jealousy is the next one. Jealousy is like water that gets in between the cracks and rocks, and when it freezes like ice, it expands and just tears things apart. It is so destructive. Jealousy is toxic, and you cannot afford to have that in your life. And if you're around jealous people, it's only a matter of time before they're going to be jealous of you too. Here's the next one. Fits of rage. Fits of rage. 
Uh, if someone is a raving lunatic and they get angry at the drop of a hat, be careful. Be careful of that person. You can definitely discern that this is a red flag, that they, they have a lack of self-control in this area of their life. And they probably have uh, a lot of that anger is rooted in unforgiveness and bitterness. And so you can, you can, uh, you can be sure that it's only a matter of time before you're the target of all that rage. Another one is selfish ambition. This should be, uh, we would think this is easy to discern, but this one can also be tricky because I've seen this in ministry. I'll give a sidebar story on this one. So I was at a church and I was a youth Sunday school teacher. We, there was two of us that were the Sunday school teachers and the youth pastor was from another state and had gone back home and had resigned their position for you know family reasons. And we had just, our church had just hired a brand new couple to be the youth pastors. And they had been uh, somewhat involved in ministry for years, but they had come on in this position and because the kids did not really know them yet, they asked if I could go as one of the chaperones on the youth trip. And so uh, I was still very young at the time. I was in my early 20s, and I went on the trip to be a, sh a chaperone. And these new youth pastors were there with us, and we were at the uh, like the district for our denomination district youth camp, and the pastor's wife and the pastor we had like an internationally known guest speaker a big name at the time and he was there and a lot of the who's who in the denomination were there well this youth pastor and his wife totally abandoned the kids and it was interesting and his wife even made a comment about run over there and be close to the you know important people and and uh, they were totally jockeying for a better job basically they were they were climbing up the tree and i was looking around and there was a couple of kids in the the group one of them was a one of them was a friend of a girl who went to our church and she was going through something really deep in fact i was able to pray with her a little bit and minister to her but i was thinking you know i'm just the sunday school teacher they really need their youth pastor right now but he was him and his wife were too busy trying to climb up that ladder and uh, they were neglecting you know at the expense of the job at hand which was to minister to children that's what they were paid to do that's what they were hired to do and it was really disappointing to see that and things like that happen and so you you know I'm a witness to that and I want to have a whole conversation about the power of being a prophetic witness sometimes we discern things and uh, God has us there just to see, just to be a witness to what happens. So selfish ambition can be a bad one. It's a bad one. The next one is dissension. Oh, man, I have seen this one tear up relationships, you know, tear up churches and, and workplaces and people who are dissenters, who cause dissension. And that's, that's where you, you go over here to this person and you complain and then you run over here to this person and you tell them your complaints and how they done you wrong. And then you run to this person and, you know, and they're just planting those seeds. They're just spewing those. I call them weeds. They're, they're just putting weeds out in everyone's garden. And uh, that comes with a harvest and that comes with a price tag you cannot afford. And you cannot afford to be party to listen 
to that garbage, to that venom. You know, I talk about it. Uh, we're all familiar with that old movie Ghostbusters where the, the little ghost would slime people. Well, I tell you what, when you listen to stuff like that, dissension, it's like somebody slimed you. Well, you got to clean that stuff off. You can't afford to leave that venom dripping off of you. You don't want to be a receptacle for that because that means you've taken and received and partnered with the weeds that were put in your garden. No, no, no. You pull those things up immediately. You can't afford that. It's got a big price tag attached to it. Factions, I think that kind of goes in with dissensions, but the way I see factions is uh, red flag anyone who is clicky. So that's a red flag. That's a, a discernment red flag, a key. If people are clicky and they're they're exclusive, you know, that exclusive club, <laughs> uh, you don't want to be a part of that. That's that's not okay. And and that's a red flag. And especially when you see it in leadership, especially inside of a church, that is very dangerous. That is very destructive behavior and red flag that. That's a key to discernment. And I'm rooting this in Scripture out of Galatians 5. I'm, I'm, I have so many stories about this, but I've seen this be really harmful. Uh, I've seen youth groups where they're clicky. You know, teenagers are, are typical, you know, behavior for them is to, to be, once they have achieved, like, confidence and parity and confidence, then they'll sort of form little groups and it becomes exclusive and it's really just a, a place of immaturity because they're overcompensating for an insecurity that they have and that's why that typically happens but it can be very destructive it can really decimate people's self-esteem and it's not of god the bible lists that as a work of the flesh so we need to avoid that envy we spoke about envy recently that's the green-eyed monster envy it has its eye on what you have and it's not that it just wants to have it envy goes a little further than jealousy jealousy wants what you have envy wants what you have but also wants to destroy you in the process because there can only be one winner one you so to speak and so that's a revelation in and of itself envy is uh, really bad and really destructive and i've seen it tear up relationships tear up churches tear up families envy's awful it is a monster uh, they call it the green eyed monster because it's a monster and monsters do what monsters do they eat things and they tear things up that's what they do so it's really bad drunkenness oh should we plow here this has become debatable in our society but i'm going to tackle it and i'm going to tell you drunkenness is not okay and if it's craft beer and wine, you may think, well, this is okay because it's a little bougie. It's a little uppity. Uh, it's still drunkenness. Can't afford to do it. In fact, I'm dealing with someone in a, uh, that I'm in a relationship with, with right now who is convinced. They're, and they're a Christian. They're great people. But they've convinced themselves that it's okay to drink wine. And I'm not going to debate that point with them. But it's come to a place in their life where they've got to have their wine every day <laughs> and earlier and earlier in the day and more and more of it and it's becoming a problem and uh, at this point I don't think they're in control anymore and I'm seeing it have repercussions in their life and it's very hard to watch that uh, especially when it's a Christian because they know better and so uh, that's really Really sad to see that. And then revelry. Of course, revelry is just people with a 
party, that party attitude and anything goes. And uh, that pretty much sums up our entire society, it seems like right now. But but these are tools that we have to see when we see these behaviors in people, we can say, is this a fruit of the spirit? Does this bring abundant life? Or is this a work of the flesh that kills, steals, and destroys? And so we can easily identify these things based on this scripture. And so uh, this is an easy way for us to be able to understand and discern key behaviors in, in anyone. And, and first, we need to look at ourselves. That's the first place we need to discern. And then you can discern other things. Now, I will say this. What do we do about it? All right, let's move into section two here. What do we do about when we identify areas of discernment? Well, first, you need to deal with yourself, of course. You need to examine your own heart. See if any of these things be in ye and you. And then you need to deal with them through prayer and repentance and then turning from that behavior. There's a word in Hebrew that means teshuvah. It means to return to the Lord, to turn away from what you're doing, to make a, a, a full turn in the other direction. And so we need to make teshuvah, repentance, and we need to deal with that. Now, what if we see these behaviors in someone else? What do we do about it? Well, this is where wisdom comes in. So the first thing we need to do is take it to the Lord in prayer. We need to pray. Oftentimes when I see little red flags pop up and little offhand comments people will say or behaviors that I, you know, see, the first thing I do when I, you know, maybe get in my car or whatever, or maybe sometimes right there in the spot inside my mind, I'll, I'll say, uh, Lord, what was that? What did I just see? Lord, why did that bother me so much? Or Lord... What did they mean when they said that? I take it to the Lord in prayer. And sometimes it's just that casual. I just have a conversation with the Lord about what I'm seeing. And I, you know, just ask the Lord, what, what, what's going on here? I try to get an understanding of what's going on. And, and oftentimes I go back to my Galatians chapter 5. Oh, that's not good. You know, uh, ooh, they're, they're showing uh, jealousy and envy in their comment. That's, that's disturbing. So pray about it, number one. Number two, what is something else I can do about that? Well, it's not my job, number one, to fix everybody. Sometimes we think we need to go fix everybody. Sometimes the Lord just wants us to pray. Another thing the Lord may be asking us to do is just to be a witness. I am just obsessed with the power of being a prophetic witness. I've, I've really been leaning into that and trying to understand what it means to be a witness. But sometimes the Lord just has us witness things for whatever His purpose is. And so we just pray about it. We watch it. We keep a watchful eye on it. Uh, another thing we can do is we can create boundaries. And I'm going to recommend, especially if you are a passive person, there is a book that has been around for a very long time. You can get it dirt cheap on eBay or Amazon called Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud. And it has a workbook with it. And the subtitle is When to Say Yes, How to Say No to Take Control of Your Life. So if you are a passive person, it will give you the tools you need on how to make healthy, good boundaries in your life and how to say no 
to things. And that's where I want to leap off onto our next point, because sometimes boundaries, you know, with some people are exhibiting these bad behaviors. I believe oftentimes it's principalities working through personalities, someone that may be exhibiting hatred or discord or jealousy or whatever this list is, then Sometimes you need to create a boundary with that person and you need to to tell them, you know, maybe maybe you're too passive to to confront them. Maybe just distance yourself. Put them at arm's length. You can't afford to be a partaker in the bad seed that they are spewing out. And then number three, I would say sometimes it requires confrontation. Now, let me qualify what I mean by confrontation. That doesn't mean you have to shout at them and have an argument and get into a fight with everybody. That's not what confrontation has to be. Uh, Let me give a quote by Chuck Swindoll that I think sums this up perfectly. He says, if we confront someone, we should have one goal in mind, restoration, not embarrassment. I want to tell you that confrontation can be led by the Holy Spirit, but oftentimes the only way to bring resolution to conflict is via confrontation. And confrontation doesn't have to look like, you know, this big meeting and we got to hash it out and scream and yell. No, 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 no. Sometimes that may be required, but healthy confrontation looks like telling someone no, and then oftentimes telling them why and doing it in love. And so that's essential. That's essential about having healthy confrontation. Uh, Another quote says, you can't change what you refuse to confront. So if you allow someone to speak impurity, debauchery, hatred, discord, jealousy, uh, you know, dissension, envy around you, and you've discerned that this is not good, and then you continue to just passively sit there and listen and be a sounding board for that person, that's not going to be good for you. There are times in your life, yes, you can passively resist them. The Bible says resist the devil and he can flee. You can can disassociate with that person. That's one strategy. But I think the best strategy, if you want to be able to bring restoration to this person— is it may require you to tell them, no, I'm not going to listen to that. It's taken me a long time. I didn't like confrontation. I was very resistant to confrontation. In fact, I'll give a little side story. So my husband and I, when we were dating, I think we were already engaged at this point. I would get upset about something, you know, insignificant that had happened. And he would ask me, are you okay? To which my response would be, I'm fine, <laughs> you know, and I wasn't fine, but I didn't want to have an argument because, I, you know, we were early in our relationship. Everything was going great. I didn't want to rock the boat over something that I felt like wasn't uh, significant enough to cause a problem. And I think most females have a similar type response and men tend to be a little more matter of fact. And so, uh, and and by the way, in sociological terms, it's called agreeableness. And so agreeableness, though, sometimes can work against you because you're not always being honest. And so this went on for, uh, we were taking a car ride down to see his family out of state. And I was quiet and a little distant. And so, you know, a little more time goes by. He says, are you sure you're okay? And my answer was, I'm fine. (laughs) And so, um, uh, where we were going was down in the south, deep south, and he 
pulled the car uh, off the highway and it, like a little dirt road and stopped the car, which definitely got my attention. And uh, re- real softly and gently, that you know, though, he turned and he said, listen, if I ask you if you're okay and you're not okay and it's clear from your body language that you're not okay, it's okay to tell me that we have a problem. That's the only way we can resolve it. And so it was really a growth moment. I didn't like it in the moment. In fact, I was a little, I was a little mad with him. But um, it was a growth moment for me because I just didn't want to rock the boat. I didn't want to cause problems. I didn't think it was significant enough of a problem. It was really something very small. But we did. We hashed it out, and it really helped me to learn how to communicate. Now, let me fast forward into the future. There was someone recently, uh, within the last five years, who did something that really bothered me. I didn't agree with it. And so uh, I I felt like their behavior was in this category, in in the end part of Galatians 5, that was a work of the flesh. And this person was in the ministry. And so, but they were a friend. And I witnessed this, uh, you know, this issue that had arose. It was uh, what I would call uh, dissension. And so it was very tough for me, but I called her out on it because I'm her friend. And I felt like I had a responsibility to call her out on it. So we had a phone conversation and I had to tell her in love I believe what you're doing here is wrong. It's not according to the prescription of the Bible, and I cannot be a part of this. And to which her response was that she was angry with me, and she dissolved our friendship. And that was tough. That was not easy. And that was hard. But you know what? I walked away where I can lay my head down on my pillow and feel good about the position that I took. I was sad that that's how the relationship, you know, dissolved. But it was, and it was hard. I hated to see that. I wish them the best. But I can't be a part of those things. I can't be a part of the works of the flesh. I cannot afford to have that kind of seed in my ground. And I believe that it's because I chose to walk in discernment. I chose to first pray about it. I actually sought counsel Uh, from my mother and another person about this situation who's a minister and then I put a healthy boundary up I told them I can't be a part of this and I confronted it I told them you have not gone according to the Bible about how you're to deal with your you know your qualm and their response was anger and they dissolved our relationship and so I did everything I could do on my side of the street It is not my job to fix this person, to fix the situation. And so sometimes we have to release people. In fact, the Bible says that's the prescription is sometimes you have to disassociate, not by choice, by their choice. I went by what the Bible said. And so that was a growth moment for me. And that came out of discernment. So I hope that this conversation will at least get you thinking about weighing out and judging things based on Galatians chapter 5. Is this behavior that I see in this other person, is it a fruit of the Spirit or is it in the category of the works of the flesh? And that's the most basic, easy, yet highly prophetic, practical way that you can discern things around you. And then what are you to do with that once you identify the problem? Pray. It's that simple. Pray. Pray about direction. Seek 
godly counsel. Put up a healthy boundary. And if necessary, confront it like an adult, calmly, head on, rooted in the scripture, without fear. And I promise you that the Holy Spirit will guide you through that process and you will be better for it. I hope this blessed you today and encouraged you and ministered to you. Walk in the gift of discernment. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll be informed next time I post. Thank you again and have a blessed day.